Hello everyone and welcome to your Uncle's Beach House episode 25. I'm Jackson I'm joined by Am as usual. Hello, it's Hello. anime time. Oh, yeah. It's not even anime time, it's manga time. It's manga time. We have read another four volumes of Phoenix, which means we are joined once again by Rick. Hello. Hello, hey, how you doing? I'm doing as well as can be said in these times since <laughs> <Yeah>. February. <laughs> you know what? Fair enough. Uh, we did Phoenix, the first volumes, um, back in February. Yep. Oh, was it really February? It was. Yeah, six For months. some reason, I thought we were really late with this one, but no, we're early with this one. We did it. I know. I was also like, was it? There can't have been this year. We didn't read Phoenix this year. But no, we read Phoenix less than a month before all of the like lockdown shit began. That's wild. Yep. That's wild. Um, but we're here now. We've read uh, four more volumes, and I don't know exactly where we should start with this. I could tell you, well, five is the first volume I was aware of with this series. Huh. How did so that happen? So volume four was uh, really big. And I don't know if you guys know how, um, if you both know how comics work with, like, adaptations in, like, American, like, big press. So, like, the Eisners do manga when it was brought into English, not when it was released originally so like you'll have like in 2004 you'd have like a volume of phoenix and then like volume of whatever was new in 2004 in america in the same <laughs> awards great <laughs> so volume four was the numbers that was the second best comic according to time magazine and then volume five got a lot of like people writing about it because of that and i read about it in a blog and it looked really good because it was all the pictures we'll get into it but of all the robots basically murdering themselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it really is a good way to capture something and they get you to check it out and then like that was around like 2004 2005 and all these were coming out so and i was just getting out of like marvel and dc stuff and into like weirder comics for lack of a better word and i was going to a better shop that had like it had like six and like seven but like a lot of the other ones were hard to find so that's Mm -hmm. where i jumped in with all this okay that makes sense Uh, I guess I guess on some level I'm not surprised as to do it that way because the other way would I mean you know everything comes out so late especially oh, yeah, like yeah. classic stuff. Does lead yeah, to some really funny stuff though. Like I know Buddha's got have won volumes of that, won great. awards in that. Yeah, just happened to be up against Tezuka this year. <laughs> and these, these, these four are all the '70s stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, are, the, the next the four are in the '80s. And the last of his life and work. And well, I guess 12 is different because 12 is the one that's all the prequel stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm actually really interested to get to that one, so. It is very much the uh, the Tezuka who wanted to make sure he did every genre possible. Good. (laughs) Um, There are four volumes, but only three. Well, I I guess. um, I guess there are actually four stories. Uh, for this one of them is a short play at the end of uh, the eighth volume but we there have two of the stories today uh take up one volume and one is a two-part epic mm-hmm. kind of like six and five are related but six is related to all of the previous ones that's because six is <laughs> wild <laughs> just um, a bit just just a bit yeah uh the um I guess we could start with Civil War and then go back to the other two. Yeah, might as well. 
It's, I don't like that these were renamed because, like, the uh-huh. Wikipedia is like, this one's called. Yeah, I'm looking at the Wikipedia uh, and like, what do I call times. them? Yes. Uh, but is, is Civil War Part 1 and 2 in the uh, English release? Uh, that is why, if you heard me pausing weirdly, I was looking at the Wikipedia list like, wait, wait, which ones to be read? <laughs> um, <laughs> we read uh, Turbulent Times, Nostalgia, and Resurrection. Yes. And Robo 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 Flowers. And, yes. and Robo Feathers. Um, yes. Civil War, Turbulent Times, and then Resurrection and Nostalgia are the same. Yeah, so uh, I suppose so- we start with Turbulent Times, uh, which is volume seven and eight of the English release of the manga, uh, which deals uh, with the, like, uh, the like era covered in like the uh, Heike Monogatari, um, which is you know about the civil war between uh, the it's the Genpei War. It's, it's like eighteen or eleven eighty to eleven eighty five between the Taira and Minamoto clans in Heian era Japan. Um, but honestly, you don't need to know too much of the historical context to enjoy the story because Tezuka's interest is entirely upon. Uh, how just workaday characters are caught up in war and their lives are ruined by rich people. <laughs> yes. It's very much like a hero story framed around this woodcutter who's the guy who you follow through the whole thing. Yes. Like in a very, like, even Star Wars way where his parents get killed in front of him and then he, he by the samurai. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then he has to become a samurai, which he hates. And yeah, no, because samurai are fucking terrible. Uh, samurai are so fucking evil. <laughs> they and haven't also, quite ascended to like the historical evilness by which, like, uh, you know, our friends who hate the samurai. <laughs> when Ted's talking about the samurai, not talking about Hay and Era samurai. <laughs> no, but this book definitely, um, it, you know, it, it feels like it's leaning on that still. Yes. Uh, because, whoo, samurai, bad. Ghost of Shima out this month. <laughs> so it is. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Think about it every time because it, it's also too early. But about the like, no, the importance of the samurai. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole other kettle of fish. Uh, but yeah, that's um. I did not like these two very much. Uh, I thought they were like they were fine in parts, and there were some like emotional moments. But I've also now read. Uh, you know, these are volumes seven and eight, and all of these volumes are four hundred pages ish, uh, three hundred to four hundred. This one's four, uh, three twenty-seven, I think. Um, but yeah, uh, th- the series has a central theme, and uh, I I'm there now. I understand that uh, we do be resurrecting and the human races drawn to war and fighting itself over and over and over again, and uh, will we ever find an escape from the cycle? And um. When uh, the series is doing, like, vignettes about this that are, like, more interesting, the idea of a... Like, this one's fairly played straight in just the story, whereas the volume before of, uh, Nostalgia is just wild. We'll get to that in a minute, but this is a much more played straight war story about multiple sides and lots of names, and, you know, from from the Hakimonogatari uh, and, um, like... You know the intricate goings on of this power struggle, uh, f- for the same thematic center as all of these, and it just ended up feeling overlong um, and less interesting. Even though I think there were some like good individual moments throughout. Well, the the problem is we covered Karma Volume Four last time, and yes. that it's is also- a lot of the same ideas, but like a masterpiece. There's also a sequel to that in yes. a very direct way. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and I just think like it's lesser for it. I think the inherent story of like what's going on is less interesting. Um, I like Benta, who's the wood carver, gets caught up in this and his uh, childish sweetheart Obu. I think they're great, but the like conclusion of the story is that like it's not about them. It's about the two assholes at the, at the, at the like at the head of this war effort, um, and they're like karmic spin uh, as they you know they they fight and then they die and then they get resurrected as animals that uh gao the you know no armed uh ruffian from karma who's now like 400 years old keeps his like they're they're like a monkey and a dog that he keeps his pets basically um they were introduced earlier in the story um and uh that stuff's uh in, like interesting but it, it's not as interesting as all the karma stuff which is you know presented as like the 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 on the earth, like on the ground story of the people struggling in these structures are the thing that's centered and not like, ah, yes, these people suffered and then they died. And then the, the, the leaders of their clans went on to meet the Phoenix and go through time and space. Yeah. So like the, at the end of the thing, um, Benta, like he is with his, uh, his wife, who's not, uh, Obu, his childhood sweetheart, uh, who's from a different town, like escapes from his town, uh, the, uh, like like a great cost of the scene of this final samurai battle uh implied to uh probably have killed both of them but then it offers like multiple possibilities of how they could have escaped or uh died together in some romantic way uh and then you're like there's a lot of this book left where's this going now <laughs> and then the hard cut from that to now let's dive into the, what it's, it's actually about the like tragic fate of the leaders when the entire you know previous 500 pages are about how much uh, how petty and shitty these leaders like arguments and wars have been and the amount of just the sheer incredible amount of people that have died for their bullshit uh very strange we got told the story in volume seven like yep. he tells it to us and then we see the whole thing again and then it goes past that to the end of it it would have, it would have made sense just to like show them being reincarnated as the monkey and the dog, and then just cutting it there. I think. Well, I already got that they were reincarnations the first time because I know what you know. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. It's about this, uh, <laughs> and so the twist of being like, no, you're actually being reincarnated like back in time, and that happened. Like this, this story isn't an echo of that. That's an echo of this story. But it ultimately is like I don't. It doesn't really make a difference to me in which yeah. order they happened. Um, the thing th about that though is that the story of the, the dog and the monkey is like the best part of this story. <laughs> um, it's on its own because it's like, it's mostly, it's most like, it's mostly, uh, there's like a little bit of narration, but it's mostly textless and it's just, like the distillation of the idea of like violence and strife presented as like incredible cartooning of these animals. Mm -hmm. Um, and on its own is like a silent work. It's just incredible. Yeah, no, I mean, like, the the Tezuka work here is, uh, like, it's masterful, right? That kind of goes without saying, <laughs> like, when we yes. get down to discuss the themes. But, like, as works of, like, of being a cartoonist, uh, all st still great. All of them, well, every, everything we read is amazing in terms of just, like, the images presented in the panels. Made me want to watch that anime about the dog. Don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Uh, I know the Wait. one you mean. <laughs> yes. Which one? Uh, the one that's just about, like, a dog who, like, fights bears and stuff in the wilderness. It's the one they talk about in the oh. MGS5 Let's Play. <laughs> um, it's from the 80s. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a white dog, it dog anime. I was going to say yeah, dog anime. Yeah, I couldn't find that one. I and the other thing about, like, Tezuka's work is that if you just want Tezuka drawing samurai, like, Dororo exists and is out there and is 
just more of that, and it's better in a lot of ways for just that part of it. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. Uh, the anime is Nagaraboshi Gin. Ah. I think, at least I assume so. But it is about wild dogs fighting bears and shit. One thing he uh. does a lot that I do. It gets me every time is that to like mask how violent the comic is, he will often have the people cutting the panel in half over the people's necks that are cutting. Yes. Which is such a good trick and so simple, but it this works every time on me. Yeah. Oh, there's so many just yeah. That's the other thing about these comics. Like, even if they're just like like these are by far like the weakest ones we've read so far, but they're also just like really good pulp stories. Yes. Anytime there's like a like big cut of like ah a year has passed, where are heroes now? I'm like hell yeah, I'm ready for this. <laughs> yes. Uh, also, that like they trick. get a peacock for that guy, and it's just a peacock. <laughs> the, the plot point of everyone tr- fighting and dying to protect this one just peacock that like some Chinese traders brought over from the continent. Very good. Everyone convinced they have the phoenix. <laughs> yep. It's a really well-drawn peacock. It is. Yes. It's funny because, like, uh, this one is generally very, like, just on the ground. There, the, the phoenix shows up, like, very near the end. And other than that, there is no magical stuff. This is just a story of people. Uh, and, like, m- moving the phoenix to, like, one stage further removed to, like, legendary status where, like, no one even really sees the Phoenix. It's not really a feature in the story until the very end uh, is interesting. I, I don't know if I like, like that. I like the bit. I like when this is like manga about some wild, like karmic space magic. Um, but it, it is, it is a bold choice to do for this one. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, it would have worked better if it wasn't like two volumes. Yes. Um, I yeah. don't know what the like extra space uh adds to this story other than the fact that there are short ones so there has to be a long one um and tezuka is just like playing with form around the idea and so that means one of them is just going to be overly long and complicated um and i like appreciate parts of what that brings and like some of the digressions uh especially about what bent is doing with the samurai um, there's part of it too that like the the monk is um i believe that's also another fairy tale he's bringing into it like bento is a is a figure from something okay because at the very beginning of seven like the monk is talking about him making like a like a story about a hero mm. and it was based on the fact that he met benta and they talked to one of like the annotations about a story named a story about banky and i haven't looked into that but it probably just is like another like fairy tale that tezuka's weaving into this yeah yeah that's what i assumed from the way that like but they never ended up going where in the story so i assumed that he was writing uh benter into like a story that actually exists yeah like he's like on a bridge like fighting off samurai with a piece of wood for like uh, days and yeah. days and days that's cool every time it happens <laughs> it's really good they go back to that at the very end yes when he spears yes. that guy with that lock it's very good <laughs> Um, but also like, this is the most, what I like as someone who's not like particularly well read on Tezuka, this is the most, what I like assume his normal manga output is like, there's a bunch of just like, it's telling a big story, but it's just happy with doing a bunch of like gag asides about like, here's an anachronistic thing in the world. They have telephones. (laughs) Yes. They have telephones. They talk about like oil prices in the middle East, stuff like that. (laughs) Just like very like one panel asides, a lot of like, 
uh, this one's at night because the manga artist didn't want to draw people for this one. <laughs> Next to like, there's, really enti- there's like a shot. ninja. There's yeah, there's like a ninja attack of like a guy whose last dying breath is like, please don't unmask me. The artist doesn't want to draw my face. <laughs> And then, like, the the next line is the shitty buzz by guy being like, you you poor fool, and then going, wait, I'm the poor fool. I have a plot to deal with. <laughs> uh, which is uh, very good. Um, so should we go into volume five? Yes. Yeah. Uh, wait, we should talk about Robe of Feathers, which oh, is yeah. very good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll do Robe of Feathers. Uh, Robe is- of Feathers is like a very short story uh, based on a uh, no play uh, called uh, Hagoromo, which is originally about like a celestial being who comes to Earth with like a uh, magical like cloak. Uh, a feather mantle is what it's called on Wikipedia. Um, and in this version, it is someone from the future who comes, uh, who is like, they're in like a, some sort of concentration camp on a future earth. And the Phoenix came and granted them any wish. And it was, they wanted to go somewhere safe and they were sent to the past as long as they didn't change the timeline. Um, and their robe gets stolen. This woman's robe gets stolen. And then, uh, this guy like, it's like, ah, oh, cut, stay with me for three years, three years. She's like, I'll stay with you for three years. And they have a kid and she's like oh i have changed the timeline it's terrible um but it doesn't matter because bad things happen to both of them as it does in time and all of the uh evidence is buried by time happening and it's a play yes it's all one shot yeah Yeah, it's all yeah yeah it's all a single panel of like a tree in a building just replicated across multiple pages uh which is just very cool uh, yes, it is uh, showing off. <laughs> I definitely at the end of this book also was excellent. I was like, okay, I did the like super, uh, super long epic one. I'm going to do the really short like formal experiment one now. I'm well, it's sh- not it, in order. I think it came out before that. It's just collected this way. Yeah, um, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, but just coming yeah. across it like this uh, at the end of the this book was interesting mm-hmm. um, because. You know, reading eight eight of these books now, and then I'm sure we'll get way more of these like short experiments in the final collection of the like uh, other stuff. Yeah, um, there was a weird note at the end of this volume that's like, this is the third dialogue pass on this story because uh, prior ones uh, had problems. There was something about like racist depictions. I don't know what that means in the in the context of the story. Um, I but there was no further know. details. I have no idea. I I also was like, huh? Uh, yeah. I kind of moved past it because I didn't know if that was like a reference to uh, the like localization or what. Yeah, I don't know. Um, That's hmm, weird. Putting that anyone <laughs> that, that, that can't, that can't be the localization because things are only put out once. Like yeah, the, yeah. the stuff got its first printing. Right. So it must be the original. But I, yeah, I don't know. And because at the start of every uh, Phoenix thing, there's like a thing that's saying that some of this might be inappropriate, but we thought it was better to do literal translations. Which might um, come up in volume six. <laughs> um, yeah, there are a couple of things. I feel like the thing that I would object to most uh, would not have actually been ha- given that uh, notes. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. I looked it up. Uh, apparently the first version of the story, the woman from the future, uh, was suffering from like radiation sickness from a nuclear war. And, uh, because this was the seventies, you couldn't just 
fictionalized radiated characters. He's like, apparently there's enough pushback that oh, okay. uh, he changed that. That makes sense. Yeah. Apparently he was going to make another one, uh, another robe of feather story and then never got around to it before he died. So there's that too. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, resurrection. In- NCS volume five, uh, a resurrection. Uh, which is about a man who dies in an accident, question mark, um, in a future city uh, in 2482 AD uh, and is brought back to life through science. Uh, But he can't see people as people. He sees them as like weird shapes and amalgamations of things and he can't tell their voices apart. Uh, But he sees the robots in society as if uh, they are uh, more human, even though they just look like robots everyone else. Uh, Gen Urobochi invented nothing. <laughs> uh, uh, yep. Gen Urobochi, if you don't know, created Madoka and Common Rider Gaim and Aldo Zero, a bunch of stuff. Anyway, one of his first works was a visual novel uh, called Sayano Uta, which is about a guy who I think has a accident, a car accident or whatever. Anyway, he wakes up and every person looks like a horrible flesh monster. Oh, that's just um, <laughs> And... And he ends up falling in love with an actual flesh monster who just looks like a, like a lady. Um, and then they murder a bunch of people. It goes in a different direction. It's like a weird horror thing about people in isolation. But, um, I didn't realize that it was just a riff on Tezuka. <laughs> that is That's exactly, exactly this. this. That's like, because at the start I was like, oh, this could be general enough that it might not be. But no, that's the same thing. That's exactly yes. the same. And this is a very famous book. <laughs> yes. Uh, um which which was very funny going into this um but yeah no so he he meets the robot woman but also this is contrasted with a story that happens in uh 20 or 30 23 something anyway it's like like 100 years later whatever about a world in which robot servants are pretty ubiquitous and there's a mystery about why all the robots suddenly decide to kill themselves one day um and they're trying to puzzle out why that happened because no one knows because on mass they all just decide to die yes and it intercuts between both of these two things leading to uh in the first plot a murder mystery about his own murder as he realizes wait i wasn't i would not have suddenly fall from fell from my hover car i was shot uh and has to figure out why that is the case while uh, it occasionally flashes forward to the future and like right before all the Rabitas killed themselves they're called because they're slightly different from the other robots and it expands light on that and having read volunteer I'm like oh the Rabita from the first from the from the one in the on the moon might be one of the most convoluted murder mystery plots possible <laughs> in that the yes. answer was that he was the g- guy who was looking for the phoenix and uh like was doing underhanded stuff but then he found it and his family wanted it so they tried to kill him for his inheritance uh, but because but he had forgotten when he came back and in tracking down who his shooter who his killer could be ended up finding his own trail of stuff he did before the accident and part yes. of it was that they didn't know if he had taken the blood so they killed him to see if he came back or not yeah and then he didn't and they were like fuck where is it? <laughs> so they had to bring him back. Yes. Um, um, and that's only like the start of it. It gets pretty wild, but it, it, 
pales in comparison to volume six but the first time reading this i was like this is this is wild but uh, also like after all that happens there's still the bit where him and the robot are like yep. we need to leave we need to escape and what happens is they get captured by a bunch of hooligans uh <laughs> with like be, like who work for like a basically a space pirate queen uh who is dying who falls in love with him and he makes a deal because she has a mad scientist on staff that uh, because her body is dying, they're going to merge. Uh, she's going to merge with his body because he the mad scientist wants to do like a, I'm going to piece people together thing, just like we've seen in future or like prior versions of the story that takes place in the future of Phoenix. Um, and but his one request is that his mind is put in a robot body with his robot girlfriend whose body is, you know destroyed basically or whatever because she burnt herself out keeping him alive when they crashed in the arctic uh and so he ends up in this weird space where like his body is taken over by the the this pirate queen but that doesn't work and she ends up dying a horrible agonizing death um but the robot just keeps going uh with the two minds that have merged into like a robot being uh that is kind of inhuman uh and not really aware of the broader world uh together and that thing just exists for hundreds of years until it turns into the model of all the worker robots in the future story of this story in the future and, and not just the model <laughs> Uh, but like it, it's literally like a clone of his mind. Because yes. they, 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 like one of the plot points is how could they all have killed themselves at the same time? And uh, the answer is they were all actually the same person all along. Which I, I kind of was disappointed by that reveal because I, I was like, yeah, of course they could. They all have the same, you know, it's big class action type thing. Robot I metaphors. think they undercut that a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. They he shows earlier when um, he meets the robot for the first time. She goes back to work and is thinking about him constantly and can't stop. Mm-hmm. So he seeds the fact that it's not just that it's his brain in there. It's also just that robots are people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Robots yeah. are definitely people in this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But like, oh. but like the first time they talk about the robots all dying on mass, you think it's like a, like a, like a class consciousness metaphor and reducing it down to, no, they are all just the same person, which is two lovers trapped in a body forever. Um, kind of reduces the like thematic impact of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. In, uh, because every like, because the reveal is that like one of these robots uh, is is falsely accused of murder, uh, and so sentenced to death. And all the robots are like, if you sentence one of us to death, you must sentence us all to death because we're all the same person. And they all on mass kill themselves. Um, uh, also, the plot is that like one of the robots repeats in the future is like, I know I'm a person. And I've like killed my master to prove it because only a person can kill, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And then the ultimate answer is he actually is a person and not just he's a person because robots people um well like, the thing it, is the merged like robita being is a robot who was a person and a person who was a person who became a thing that is even yes. more robotic which i think is interesting yes. but still a person yeah it's, all, I, I it's very gets very messy uh, i just think that like specifically having the way it's arranged i think makes a difference in that the last thing is like ties it into this one individual tra- tragedy makes i think the robot stuff a bit less interesting but it's fine it doesn't like actually yeah but like chihiro was a person right yes, like yes. Th- this is never in any doubt mm-hmm. um but uh yeah so yeah the, the last robot who survives on the moon kills his master um because he wants to basically like suicide by cop and it's hard to do on the moon um, <laughs> when there's only one person. So he kills the master, reports his crime, and they're like, well, uh, you're on the moon, so whatever, I guess. And so he decides to just go out <laughs> in, on, onto the moonscape and uh, like expire and is found hundreds of years later by uh, what's Sorita. his name? Dr. Dr. Sor- 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 
Yes. Uh, to become the robot that fucking rock shoots in volume two. <laughs> There's a lot of really uh, yeah. small things in this I really like. Like, uh, the one that I think about the most is that um, the bosses, after his vision, like, sl- his vision changes. Like, what he sees people as at the start changes a lot. But yes. it settles on them being, like, granite people. Yes. Like, gra- like gangsters almost. Like, huge rock men. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> Yeah, it just like it just turns into concrete for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that part's really good uh, because he clearly learns to cope with it a little more because like he goes to like his family's gathering and he's like he's like I don't remember any of you, but he can like because at first he's horrified just looking at people and uh, then he can learn to navigate with them. But the way they're depicted is still ridiculous uh, and uh, it's good. And the other th- the the way. The bit when the Robita gets um, taken in because that kid is out playing like a poisonous forest, basically. Mm-hmm. And then they send out a robot to get him that's a copy of his mom and her head falls off when it's carrying the kid back. Yes. <laughs> it's incredible. It's really good. There's a lot of really good stuff. Uh, yeah, That kid has a real bad day. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he had a really good day until not... <laughs> Yes, um, and yeah, it's God, those parents, fuck those parents. <laughs> uh, uh, all of the robot stuff in this story uh, ended up reminding me of AI. And the yes. Animatrix? <laughs> Except in that they uh, kill yes, all the and humans? The animatrix. And the Animatrix. <laughs> yes. I guess the, the Animatrix is also uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. probably more directly inspired by this. It is interesting, though, like, in any, other, any story like this that happens anywhere else, the robots would all just kill everyone. Um, yes. I mean, that, yeah, that's definitely the Animatrix one. That's also iRobot. <laughs> yeah. But in this, they're like, nah, we're just done. Bye. <laughs> yeah. It's good. It's good. I, I like all those stuff. It's been like the panels of all the Robitas uh, just, just marching to the factories. They're excellent. Yeah. The one where they're pouring into like the molten like smelt or whatever. Incredible panel. There's. Yeah. Um, and then all the murder mystery stuff was good fun. <laughs> Did, did you yes. notice the the ads on the walls while that's happening? No. Uh, own, a, exactly. own a cuddly dinosaur pet, only 30,000 credits. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> and there's an ad for a space opera. It just says space opera. <laughs> I did notice the panel that just said space opera, yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> it just says space opera, and then that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I thought that the bit at the end with the... Um, random like uh smugglers uh was a little like that was a bit tacked on. it wasn't like tacked on tacked on but it was the bit that sagged the most uh toward the i end. do like the bit where they're like uh the guy who's been to space a bunch has like he's like i've learned things out there in space things you wouldn't believe and if you think the boss is all right uh you got nothing coming and it just cuts to the boss writhing in agony on the ground in yes. like her locked bedroom it's a very good sequence it has like a very like pulp like horror comic vibe in that se- segment that I liked a lot. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I guess that brings us to uh, volume six, nostalgia. Who? <laughs> okay, the biggest Who wants one. To have a go at summoning, summoning, summarizing this. Yes. Okay, um, so two humans uh, decide to flee an increasingly overpopulated Earth. It's like this guy and his this like high his high school sweetheart or. 
it, it implies he's older, but she was like 17 when she fell from or whatever. Um, and they decide to flee Earth and they got a good deal on a planet by smuggling or by embellish, embezzling money. Um, and then buying a, a deserted planet from a trader. And so they go to this planet that they name Eden and they're going to live in a domed house and they're going to just survive on the two, only two people on this uh, empty planet, which just has enough to like eke out a survival. Uh, and then the guy who sells it to them flees and basically instantly everything's wrong because all the lakes are dried up and then there's a cataclysmic earthquake that kills the guy they find a second Um, dome yeah (laughs) they find a ruined second dome and yeah the guy dies but and she discovers that she's pregnant she's like shit so she uh has a child um and names him uh i don't remember the name k yes Yes, of course. <laughs> do not um, do this. If you are yeah. a child, if you're like, oh, I'm, I'm populating a new planet, I will name my child Cain. And she decides, she realizes the only way to survive is that if she, because uh, they have enough stuff to like put her in cryosleep. And so she's going to have the robot that they brought with her raise her child until he's of age and then come out of cryosleep and then have children with him to try to repopulate the planet. Because the phoenix tells her that, right? Uh, after she's asleep, I think. Yeah, after she's asleep. Um, and uh, so she does that and has a bunch of kids with him. And he's like, you know, he has to be like re uh, like retrained on how to be a person um, uh, because the robot raised him and he doesn't really know that much. He's never had food before, like real good cooked food before because the robot doesn't know what it's doing. Um and she has to kill the robot because he's jealous. He's like, the robot's my real mom. And she's like, that's not true. I'm your mom. And... <laughs> Let's have babies. Uh, it's a lot. Uh, and then has a bunch of children. And then still, they're all boys. So, like, what do we do? And she's like, I, I guess I have to go back into cryo sleep. And so she goes into cryo sleep as her husband's son raises all the kids up um, and until they're of age. And the famine happens and they have to eat him because they're out. Of, they're that out of food um, and it's desperate. And then one guy goes off or she comes back out to all the grown sons and they're going to go in order of like like you know age age uh who's going to be her husband and the the oldest uh has a bunch of boys and like shit and the big lumbering like idiot son is like i know i could have a girl and they're like you just you're just making that up we don't believe you uh he gets petulant tries to steal her away and drags her off um and this is where the phoenix intervenes um and the phoenix is like i've got a solution to this and what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna go to the planet of the moopies if you remember from last time the moopies are a shape-changing species that can look like anything want to make people happy and can have and can breed with any species and she talks to the moopy leader and gets one of the moopies to come with them and it turns into a copy of uh the woman who they she like is handed over to the son who stole her away and then they bring her back to go back into cross sleep or whatever um and so that the the lumbering son has a bunch of moopy half moopy children that are all female and they come across the descendants of the sons and th- uh, they all have kids and begin to populate a new society of uh half moopy half human beings that quickly like because the moopies are really hardy take over the planet eden and she says 130 years like i've been asleep 130 years but it feels like like centuries pass there's a line that says that they grow from to adult three years yes yeah they hit maturity in like four or five years yes yes so they rapidly start terraforming the planet and building like cities and you know they had they have a a nice life and she is in hyper or cryosleep 
and seems to come out like once a generation for like a couple weeks and then goes back into cryo sleep because she is rapidly aging because she you know she's been a lot she's been around long enough to have more like 12 kids or whatever um <laughs> yes. And, uh, this story then becomes about a moopy child who meets her and she realizes that she doesn't have long to live and she wants to see earth and the moopy child realizes she can take the moopy spaceship, drag her along and take her back to earth. And they go on an adventure through space, uh, where they encounter, uh, the guy from, (laughs) uh, the guy from universe, uh, Uh Makimura, um, and just go on a bunch of adventures through uh, to weird planets, like a planet that tries to eat people. They leave the universe and go to a place made of dirt, uh, that's built out of people's imaginations. Um, wild shit happens. It's so wild. And then they get to earth <laughs> and then they get to earth and earth sucks because earth is like the earth we see in prior, uh, in like future like volume two where earth is like very overpopulated very locked down um hasn't been nuclearly destroyed yet but getting there working up to it um and uh and they are immediately hunted because the moopy is an alien which is not allowed and she's an immigrant which is not allowed and uh it's a bad time for everyone uh yeah it sure is yes and then, like the the astronaut guy they meet has to kill, uh, like it's like a, in order to not be killed himself for smuggling these people to Earth, uh, has to go and um, uh, kill these people, uh, both the woman and uh, and the half moopy kid, um, and he goes to do that. Uh, she just dies naturally because of some other plot stuff where she is like re uh, rejuvenated when she was By injured. An arms but- dealer? Yeah, <laughs> but can only would only live three days and runs out of time. And basically, they're like, "Don't kill her, even if you have to." She's literally about to die. Don't shoot her in the head. And eventually, he relents on that, and then immediately turns his gun on the child and is like, "Let's let's go." <laughs> um, and the kid runs off into the water, and uh, then suddenly attains the powers of transformation, uh, and is able to like become. Uh, a flower and survive in the pond. Um, meanwhile, <laughs> uh, the guy who originally sold no, not the, it's not the guy who originally sold the planet. No, it's the it? guy who smuggled everyone onto the Earth. The guy who smuggled them. everyone onto yeah. On yeah, the arms dealer that rejuvenated uh, Rami. Yes, uh, uh, has stolen um, the spaceship, gone back to Eden, uh, and basically. So he shows up there and he's like, I need to, I'm gonna hunt him, I'm gonna get a moopy, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a moopy and I'm gonna uh it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great, it's gonna make me very rich. Shows up, isn't quite able to do that because they're all half moopies, and uh the moopy that's actually like pretending to be the queen on the throne is doing a good job of convincing it, and the society's so well run that he doesn't really have an angle to like uh you know, scam everyone. So in, he instead pours Poison. his like magic <laughs> I'm inventing vice syndrome into <laughs> into the water supply and uh, everyone gets uh, drunk and starts gambling and gets horny and society uh, starts to crumble immediately. Um, and as society gets worse, the planet gets worse and then uh, earthquakes destroy all the structures and everyone on the planet dies. We 
Yeah, apparently the Phoenix had been keeping the planet from killing everyone through earthquakes this entire time and decides just to stop doing that. He's like, oh, this has gone bad. All right, goodbye. Um, but as everyone dies, one of the voyagers who'd been on the space adventure with them, which was like this weird, this like little fairy that is two people stuck together. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, that, that cr- like their whole goal is to go to like a planet that is unoccupied and have babies and create a new society because uh, their planet was destroyed. Um uh settle in the ruins of this planet and spread uh no they steal the guy's ship right and then they yes. take off and have a bunch of babies and leave them here and it's like ah yes this planet as it, one society dies another one is born in its ashes as the uh fairy people all take off into space yep and, and then, then uh the makimura takes her body back to be buried with her husband yes uh, which is good because the last the last bit is them like in the afterlife talking about finally being reunited. Yep. Uh, and then there's a dramatic monologue about, "Hey, did you read Little Prince as a kid?" And I'm like, "Yes, I did." I did not. <laughs> I I love Little Prince as a kid. That made me emotional. I was like, "Damn, you got me." I did read Little Prince as a kid. It it yes. does make me cry. Um. But in general, this this uh, volume asks the question, what if every most wild Star Trek plot was strung together end to end? And the answer is it's incredible. It's amazing. This volume is something else. Uh, like, starting from, like, we are going to do the Old Testament, but in space... Uh, <laughs> With, you know, like this, this, uh, these people cre- like creating the society and, uh, it's splitting into like tribes and factions and, um, all under the, all, like, g- like wrath of the planet itself will like wipe out these people if they are not careful. Um, he's just good religious shit in a way that is really interesting. And there is a, there's a bit like as she's going home, uh, and, uh, the queen's talking to the guy. She literally brings up, uh, do you know about uh, the Jewish people? We're also, uh, you know, trying to find their homeland in the Bible. Yep. I think they mentioned Israel too, at the end of that. Yes. Yep. Yeah. That bit's not great. No. Uh, I, I had assume she was talking about... about historical Israel, like, yeah. you know, the 12 tribes of Israel, Israel, which is a different thing. Yes, but I had to do some math at that point. I was like, wait, this was 70s, right? Yes. <laughs> and, like, where things were at at that point. Um, I didn't, I didn't, uh, you know, I was like, mm, possibly not looking into that. Uh, but yes, it mentions that. And then it, um, uh, we even skipped over the part where, like, everyone has to, like, eat cane. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he asked them to. Yep. Well, they they all decided they're going to draw straws, and he's like, well, "My legs are gone, guys." <laughs> Just eat me, and then she comes out, and they're like, "We ate him." <laughs> well, no, she, they don't tell her right away. Like, no, they mention they're going to go eat the other son after he kidnaps her, and she's like, "What?" He's like, "Oh yeah, we do this all the time." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they 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 specifically say we don't have enough meat in our diet to have for to like create a like female child. We need to eat one of us. <laughs> Yep. Um, and yeah, there were other like wild stuff that happens that we kind of skipped over. It's 400 pages and there's something popping off every 20. Well, there's the bit um, where yes. the Phoenix goes to the Moopies and the, the leader Moopie is like, okay, you can have a Moopie, but if the Moopie hunters go for her, you got to kill the Moopie. It's like, what? Yes. <laughs> She's like, it's a point of pride that we're never captured and used for nefarious ends. Uh, as I glance towards uh, volume two. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Um, yeah, I, I liked all the stuff with the um, like idea of the colonists still returning back to Earth. Yes. Um, because you miss you miss Earth. Earth, uh, you know, you can't escape Earth gravity. It's called nostalgia. Yeah, you can't come back. <laughs> you can't come back. No, they can just put up fences. Yep. Also, you wouldn't want to go back anyway. No, it fucking sucks enough. Also, um, I do I do like using uh, Nakamura here because you've read the volume before and you know that he's an asshole. Yes. He's such an asshole. <laughs> so him being here is like, oh, this is going to go badly. <laughs> he actually has a much more sympathetic turn here, I feel like. Like, he's put in a weird spot and he doesn't react like great, but it's much better than like the last time we saw him. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, yeah, him being there is strange because I I would have mentally put more time between the events of this and the events of uh, Volume Two. That wasn't Volume Two. That was Volume Four. Vol- volume Four. Right, volume yes. Four. The thing. The thing, though. Um, I mean, he says like every time he goes out into space, time dilation happens because he's moving at like near oh, s- light light right, speed. Yes. Right, so yes, he's just course. alive for like centuries. <laughs> that makes more sense then. Yeah. It could be it could be like two years or three hundred years, right? Like or three thousand. It doesn't really matter that much. God, um, it's good every time this goes to space. Yes, yes. Uh, the thing this reminds me of is neither of you have read um, any that much Mobius comics, right? No, I've never nope. read any. So the Airtight Garage is a series he did that was basically a bunch of like uh, strips in uh, Metal Herlon over a, a bunch of years. And it was basically like he would write himself into a corner and then write himself out of it over and over again. And that's what this volume feels like. It feels like 400 pages of, okay, I did a chapter. It ends at some crazy spot. And now I have to dig my way out of that in some other crazy spot every other time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The part where they're like out of the universe and in like a weird universe, like we're just looking for an, another Earth that's like ours in the infinite chasm of the universe. So they land on one that is just Earth replicated, but everything's electrified, which is just the, like the goofiest Silver Age shit possible, but like horrifying in this context to the point where the Phoenix has to swoop in and be like, they could do this forever. I need to send them back home. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because uh, to illustrate the possibilities of the infinite, it just results in a lot of it's Earth, but it's actually a Venus flytrap. Uh, that plant's uh, amazing. Mean, <laughs> yes, it's like the Where, it's like the interstellar water planet. Only it's a giant. Yes, <laughs> yes. I thought about interstellar through this whole segment where they just go to weird gimmick planets over and over again. Yep. We didn't mention them that much, but those aliens that wear the like the squid like space spacesuits. Yes, they're really yeah, little fairies. They come those, out those, of like. The, Oh, go ahead. No, they they just come out like you see them first on their ice planet that's frozen over, and then they come out like, yeah. oh yeah, this is our spacesuit. We look like this. <laughs> yeah, the part where like a like a two body like a two torsoed fairy comes out of an octopus suit is <laughs> incredible. Love it. Uh, yeah, the, this stuff doesn't. I mean, this is the best of illustrating why I prefer all the future stuff to the past stuff. Uh, on the whole, um, I well, I think that that one. Um, Volume Four was amazing. Um, yes, but on a week to week, you know, week to week, on a moment to moment basis, uh, more ridiculous stuff can pop off when uh, the like infinite possibilities of sci-fi future storytelling is happening compared to the more like most of the past stuff has formed to some kind of like warfare between either tribes or like nations or uh, you know warring clans, depending on exactly when it was set. Mm-hmm. Um, and the forms of those have just been so much more similar, whereas both space uh, and nostalgia have been 
multiple of the most wild Star Trek episodes you've ever seen stitched together. Yeah. Also, and she gets saved at the end by Blackjack as a biker gang. Yes. <laughs> Which is incredible. Because yes. he shows up and I'm like, am I supposed to know that guy? He looks really familiar. You are, but not. You're like, he's just yeah. Black, he's a, yep. the actor known as Blackjack. Yes. In the Tezuka style. <laughs> Which uh, is very good. I love that. Yes. Also, is the is the the rat merchant just putting in like MDMA into the water? <laughs> That's basically how they treat it. Uh, that that part is very funny. The like part where like Tezuka's um, cultural conservatism uh, like raises itself in some of the like moralizing of these books is pretty funny. Yeah, because it's like yes, what a infinite story about the, like the the horrible things of human nature and you know all these these things and some like messed up stuffs going on. But then it's like oh, if there's gambling and drink, then society will begin to fall apart at the seams. But also like a a arms dealer uh, introducing like basically drugs to the community to destabilize it is just yes. a thing that has happened. In the that world. is also a thing that <laughs> happens, but it's pre- it is presented in a very funny way. Yes. The bit at this very yeah, start. It definitely, it definitely straddles the line of like theme where you're like, uh, on some level, this is kind of weird and gross, but on another, like, th- this also just happened, but I don't know. Wh- like, it, it happened so briefly and so aggressively that you never, I'm never quite sure on which level Tezuka's operating on in this segment. Uh-huh. The very yeah, start that Fox like shows up and is like, my company's 30th century Fox space real estate is like. <laughs> Yes. yes. Uh, yeah, there's multiple things like that that I'm like, this is really good and interesting, but I feel like it's often walking a knife's edge of like, he could at any moment become like uh, uncomfortable or, you know, too sexist or any of these things. Um, it's been mostly okay so far, but uh, definitely leans into that uh, stuff sometimes. Yeah, yep. you can't really escape the conservatism, is parts of the conservatism at the heart of it. Um, I think one of the f- the funniest bits to me is the like, uh, in this story about like pragmatic incest for repopulation. There's still so many like arguments about of who who's going to get married. Yes, and like that's the focus of it. And I was like, okay, they don't have an un- like it is literally a plot point that they don't have an understanding of culture, but they- this is an innately understood thing. Uh, as how relations between men and women work and so i just think it's interesting in how when you set out to make a story this ambitious in scope the thing like you will inevitably reveal your own like worldview through the things that you like treat as innate in your characters um and so the things that come out of that are always interesting yeah this one's definitely a highlight it's just deep weird throughout. I'm just, yeah, I'm just flipping through it, and everything. there's that planet that they go to that's like a bunch of lizard people burning as their sun explodes. Right! <laughs> yes! <laughs> and they're like, don't look, don't look, everyone is dying and screaming, and it's the worst thing in the world. And then they go to a planet where there's a bunch of, like, rocks that just pile up and then try to smash their spaceship. Uh, Megamera has, like, a... Uh, 50 page long argument with the kid about i know you're controlling the spaceship so, like <laughs> even if you don't think you are i know it's you and he's like i'm just a kid and he's like, no i i know you are directing the spaceship somehow probably just it's doing what you want because you're telepathic and he's like i don't know what you're talking about mate it's because i for so long throughout all of the like various vignettes this does also feel like like an end to like the first half of this in a very good way 
Like, mm-hmm. it brings back, like, characters and themes from, like, all through the whole thing into, like, this one big piece about nostalgia. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. this is also, like, where they started, like, at this point is where they started making, like, the adaptations. So, like, I'm, I've, I've seen bits of uh, the movie that is just, like, a giant mashup of all of the stuff we've seen before into, like, 80 minutes of 70s animation. Mm-hmm. And it's, it seems to take from, like, this stuff forward, like, backward, and not, like, the stuff after this. Okay. Yeah, I'm curious where it goes from here. Um, and I'm yeah, my goal is to watch all the adaptations after I, yeah. we finish the whole thing. Uh, yes, I, I would like to come to the, the final one of these. Uh, Do you have any guesses about what could be next? Well, I, uh, I, I assume there'll be one in, like, the modern day. Unless he died before doing that. Um, but I'm expecting at some point, like, us to get just the world. Um, I think they've talked enough about, like, the f- like in the past stuff of, like, the Phoenix might be related to, like, stuff in, like, China and Korea that we're going to get a chapter about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. I think... I think we're, I think we're, uh, headed to, like, I think we're in one of the past, like, assuming there's more past chapters, I think if that's the case, we'll go to that sort of area. Well, I'm not going to say anything, but that's interesting. Okay. Uh, I want to, I want to see ancient China, Tezuka, but maybe, maybe we're not, maybe we don't get that. I guess I could just read the Three Kingdoms manga. Yeah, that's the other that's guy true. that did, uh, giant robo stuff. Yeah, but every panel you've sent us looks amazing. It does look... It's really good. Oh, yes, right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, Tezuka didn't do uh, Three yep. Kingdoms. I just wish they put this out more, like, and not just on digital. Yes. Uh, wh- what if old manga had, like, good, affordable <laughs> distribution? Yeah. Never gonna happen, what? sadly. It would need to be read by more than like a thousand people per book. Yeah, yeah. Like there's that. Uh, uh, Graphics is putting out a lot of like the old JoJo stuff these days. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's all like it's like high tier, like expensive volumes because that's how they, they you have to put them like that so that people like the people that buy them will buy them and then they, they make enough to keep going. Bad. Yeah. Yep. It's just it's just a shame the audience isn't large enough to do more basic copies. Yeah. Um, because imagine like not reading this, but instead reading like you know volume seventy of Nisekoi or whatever. I don't know. I'm just thinking of picking a random. Just there's a million. <laughs> I think you uh, picked one that ended. <laughs> it's the one I. It's one I see on the shelves of every shop back when I went to shops. <laughs> and the other thing too is like this all came out of um, Calm, which is a magazine he ran until 1972. So there's a magazine full of this stuff that just out out of reach. Mm-hmm. It was amazing he started to because he didn't want to put this stuff into uh, more standard magazines. He wanted a mm-hmm. place for more experimental stories. Well, the thing like reading this that's surprising to me is how little you feel like it is published chapter by chapter. Yeah, like, yeah, I can see the right. Like, it, you, I I couldn't tell you where the chapter breaks are in this. There's a couple times like the big splash, like big black splash pages might be like calling yeah. to it, but like other than that, yeah, you can't tell it's serialize it all no not even slightly except for like um, you know it was because that's how it all comes out yeah yeah this just reads as uh graphic novels which makes 
a nostalgia sit like I'm, i just imagine getting a magazine and reading nostalgia over the course of two years with a chapter every year, couple months or whatever however long it took i don't know what the uh, publishing was on that was like i think it was but, a year like, yeah just like oh new chapter reading this what's happened now oh they've gone to the planet where every lizard is screaming and burning and dying <laughs> uh, amazing no wonder this is this is huge yeah um but do we have uh do we have anything else to say about no. uh volumes of phoenix we'll be back in six months with the end of this saga and I gotta i'm really excited <laughs> yeah uh let us know uh what um of the adaptations are we, like where to get them yeah i, I, I mean, have the i, I have the movies i just haven't got the tv show that's by the bottoms guy that's the one I most want to watch because no, you want to watch OVAs. I mean, that's the last one, so you got to watch all the other. You want to watch OVAs because oh, yeah, yeah. they're like expensive as shit. Yeah, no, no, but I. You tell me Takahashi made a fucking Phoenix movie. I'm like, what does that even look like? Yeah, but he made it in 2004, so it's like, you know, what does that even look like? <laughs> um, I say again. Oh the yeah, Phoenix so is CG. One of them. <laughs> the, one, the one for the astronauts that goes around through space is by the guy who did uh, Wicked City and Ninja Scroll. Oh, Kawajari. God. So no, it well, looks like a, it looks it looks like an eighties nineties OVA in the weirdest way. Yeah. Okay. Oh yes. And mm-hmm. Macamura goes to that planet with all the phoenixes, and he has this giant beer and these like um uh, uh what are those shades called the sunglasses called that reflect? Like the aviators. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. incredible. <laughs> Great. So, um, next time, our next thing for like what what we consider Beach House for work is not actually Beach House. We are going to be turning to Second Officer Slog for uh, the first post Enterprise uh, Enterprise novel. Um, do you know the name of Hayan Jackson? Last Full Measure, I believe. Okay, uh, which will be out next week on that feed, long dormant, but we're com- bringing it back for someone. Um, so look forward to some book talk. And then this uh, feed will be back probably around the end of the month, maybe early next month, uh, as we cover the first 13 episodes of Bodacious Space Pirates. Yeah. So Never heard of look that. forward to that. Uh, Rick, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, on the Discord, really. I don't really promote stuff. I don't know. That's fine. <laughs> Yeah, you know, if you just like don't want to be on the internet known publicly, then you if know, you want to see a, a bunch of cool old art, you go to our Discord. Yes, <laughs> where Rick's posting it. Uh, it's it's all very cool. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Headfuls Off. I post uh, a lot. <laughs> uh, you can find the podcast that me and M do, and other people as well. AdamNormapping dot com. There's loads of cool podcasts there. Uh, go listen to them. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. If you'd like to more anime talk, uh, you should listen to it in an airplane, uh, which is me and my friend Autumn. We recently did an episode on The Cat Returns, which will be up by now, uh, which is a fun little movie. Um, and uh, we're moving on to Howl's Moving Castle. We're slowly getting through our Ghibli films. Uh, otherwise, you can support us at patreon.com slash mapping. Uh, great Gundam project every week. Gundam Wing right now. Space Runaway Ideon. Just a lot of really good anime. Uh, Rick will be on that in a couple months. Oh, Looking I guess I will, yeah. Huh. Yep. <laughs> uh, so until next time, I guess watch some anime. Read some mangas, which you should do. Go find an old manga to fall in love with. You
笑。